Well, welcome back to week two of our sermon series on a hugely important topic for all of us, the topic of forgiveness. I have a hunch that most of you agree on paper with the idea of forgiveness. When someone sins against you, when they hurt you, when they don't love you well, but it's like they pick up a stone and and throw it at you and it, it hits and it hurts. I bet you've gone through enough of life to realize that forgiveness is the best thing in the world to do. To try to forget about that stone, to act like it never happened, to, you know, forgive and forget is to sweep something under the rug and not process and heal like God wants you to. To pick up that stone after it's hit you and and to throw it back or to throw it at someone that's still in your life never settles the score. It never makes you feel better. The scales of justice are never balanced. Instead, you get into this crazy cycle of back and forth and this bitter rivalry that never ends. And to pick up the stone and just hold on to it and, and be bitter and retell the story of what your dad was like or what the system did or what your ex said, that doesn't create a healthy spiritual heart. It, it just wraps around you like ugly roots that produce toxic fruit. Now, you probably know that the best thing to do is to forgive. As we sometimes say, just to let the stone alone, to give it to God, to trust that he's going to take care of it, to forgive day after day, to make that daily choice, to leave it to God. But I bet you've also realized this, that when forgiveness isn't just a concept in church, when it's not something on a piece of paper, a fill in the blank in the church bulletin, when it's a choice that you actually have to make when the hurt is real and the emotions are high, forgiveness is one of the hardest things in the world to do. I was thinking about that in my own life. Uh, I have been spared so far 40 years in some of the major traumatic wounds that many people have been through. Uh, My mom and my dad were good to me. I'd never gone through a breakup. I married my first girlfriend, never been divorced. I've never been abused verbally, physically, sexually. I've had a pretty pampered life from God. And yet even these little stones, the kind of small sins that would would never make the headlines, I found that even the small things can be kind of hard to forgive. I remember a few years ago, there was this woman from my church and um, she and I just did not see eye to eye. And she kind of felt hurt by some of my decisions as a pastor. So she wrote some things to me that were not very Christian or loving that I can still remember today. And I didn't throw the stone back at her, but I was a little bit bitter and less than the most loving person towards her. And it just festered for a long time. Until I finally said, you know, we got to sit down face to face. We got to figure this out if we're both going to call ourselves Christians. And I can remember that conversation. Uh, I'm sitting here, she's sitting there, and in the middle of it, I said, you know, we just got to do something differently. This isn't love. This is not what Jesus wants in his church. And I still remember today what she did. She said this. I know. And 
I could relate to her reaction so perfectly. Like, as, as a Christian, I, I know, I know, love your enemies. It's, it's right there in the book. Turn the other cheek. Everyone's heard it. Don't forgive once or twice, but 70 times, seven times. Treat people like they don't. Like, on paper, it is so easy, but I, I so related to that woman. I, I, I know what to do. I know forgiveness up here. But in practice, forgiveness is so hard. Loving good people is so hard. Loving people who hurt you, it sometimes feels impossible. And as I think about all of you here today, those of you sitting in front of me at at church, those of you watching online, those of you sitting at home, those of you who haven't been through like this little stuff, but big stuff, like scarring stuff, it's so hard to forgive, isn't it? You can be an every Sunday Christian, read the Bible cover to cover, but actually letting the stone alone day after day after what happened, it can be one of the hardest and holiest things God ever calls you to do. Which is why I'm so glad that you're here today. If you would read the Bible cover to cover, you'd find out that in 128 separate verses, the word forgive comes up. And today, I want to share with you what I think are the most important verses of them all. I want to share with you a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and then a story that Jesus told to his friends. And in those two things, you will find the fuel for forgiveness and the healing that your heart needs when it's hard to forgive. But I want to warn you right up front, what I'm about to share with you just might be the most offensive thing that Jesus ever said. It's what my heart craves and needs, but when I say it, some of you are going to wish I didn't. But I'm still going to say it because Jesus said it and he loves us. (laughs) So if you're ready to dive into the deep end of the pool of forgiveness, let me start by telling you about the prayer that Jesus taught. How many of you here today, uh, show of hands, have ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Kind of a famous prayer. We pray it week after week in church. Uh, If you grew up Catholic, it's called the Our Father. There are so many lines of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his friends that connect with the concept of forgiveness. You know, Jesus said, uh, Our Father in heaven, your will be done. And God's will isn't that you be bitter or vengeful or try to forgive and forget, but that you you love people. Um, Lead us not into temptation, he said. The temptation to get angry about that stone, pick it up, throw it back, hurt someone because they hurt you. God, help us not to do that. But if you know the prayer, right in the middle of it are actually these two specific lines about the concept of forgiveness. It's almost as if Jesus spends more time on this than on anything else. And here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. He said, we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Not just Father, we we forgive people. But Jesus, who knew exactly what would happen in your life, the Jesus who knew the name of the person who would hurt you the most, as the Son of God, he could already divinely see what was coming in your future, how hard it would be, how many tears you would shed. He dropped the word everyone in his famous prayer. Like the person who threw the little stone or this stone or, or the worst stone in your past He wanted you to pray day after day, week after week, year after year. God, we forgive everyone. 
No exceptions. It might hurt so badly, but God, we're not going to pick and choose. Like you, we're just going to forgive. And I think that's why Jesus didn't start his line of forgiveness there. Anyone know what comes right before this line? I'll show you. First, Father, forgive us our sins. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, Father, before I think about him or her or them or what they did or what she said or what the system didn't do for me, God, let's talk about us. I'm asking you, Father, to forgive me for my sins. God, I've thrown a lot of stones, but please don't pick them up. Don't be bitter when you think about me according to your unlimited compassion and your crazy love and your bottomless grace. Father, treat me like I don't deserve to be treated. Listen to me. Love me. Smile when you think about me. Forgive me my sins. And it's like Jesus knows. Like before we get to the hard emotional ground of thinking about that person who did that thing, before you look out at them, he wants you to look up at him. Because he knows that is the only fuel that will work to allow the human heart to really forgive everyone. That's what I learned from a Broadway musical. If you ever want to see me come this close to ugly crying, <laughs> buy me really, really good seats to see the Broadway musical Les Miserables. Ever heard of it before? Based off a, a famous French novel by Victor Hugo. Um, the story in part is about this convict named Jean Valjean who has been deeply hurt by the legal system of his day. He steals a loaf of bread. They throw him in prison and make him a slave for years. And when he gets out, he is clutching onto that sin and he can't let it go. He's homeless. No one will give him work because of his legal record. And he's so bitter, he's about to explode. Until, until this hospitable priest opens the doors of a church to Jean Valjean. He invites him inside. He serves him a meal. He gives him a place to stay free of charge. He loves him, even though he owes nothing to him. But maybe you've heard that sometimes hurt people hurt people. And Valjean can't let go of the stone. And in fact, he throws it at the priest. He steals some silver from the church cabinets and he runs off into the night, sinning against the very man who had just helped him. But the police catch him. They catch Jean Valjean, silver candlesticks in his hands. They drag him back to the church and they're waiting for the priest just to say the word and they can throw him back in prison. And do you know what the priest says? Officers, no. That was my gift to him. Jean Valjean, you forgot to take the rest. And stunned, the, the officers walk away. And even more stunned, Jean Valjean looks at the priest. And the priest leans in close and he speaks these words. Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. I withdraw your soul from black thoughts and I give it to God. <laughs> and I won't ruin the story for you. <laughs> You can hear the whole thing when you take me to the show. <laughs> but I tell you, Jean Valjean finally lets it go.
and he, he forgives and he loves and he serves and his life changes. Not because the sins committed against him in the past had changed, but he now realized the forgiveness that he had first received. And that's exactly how it is with Jesus. When we come to church and pray the Lord's prayer, when we sit down at the end of a hard day, before we get to those people, we just start with us and God. And when we realize that Jesus is just like that priest, he, he was so good to us and still we sinned against him. And yet he is still so good to us. Even the times we knew better and we've taken from him, he says, no, no, no. I withdraw your soul from punishment, from prison, from hell. And I give it to God. I bless you in ways that you don't deserve. I, I will not treat you as your sins deserve to be, be treated. Instead, I will love and give and listen and be there for you. And when that thought sinks deep into your heart, that God, God would do that for a person like me. Then I'm ready to look at him and to forgive. Then I'm ready to glance at the, the biggest stones of my past and let it alone. How could I throw that at him if God didn't throw the stone at me? That was Jesus' simple, beautiful teaching. But that teaching actually hangs on a massive question. And I'll ask you the question directly. How many stones have you thrown at God? Like when you look at a cross in a church, how many of your stones are piled up at the base of it? When you think about those people and their character and you as a person and your character, what do you think? In Luke chapter 7, Jesus said that the one who thinks they've been forgiven very little will love little. But the one who knows that they've been forgiven much, well, they will love much. And that's why Jesus didn't just teach us to pray some prayer. He also told a story. I think in the Gospels, it's the most offensive story he ever tells. Which is why before I get to that story, I want to tell you the G-rated version of the story that Jesus almost told. It goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a man who owed his king 100 silver coins. But he couldn't pay. The king wanted to settle the accounts. The man didn't have the money. He begged for the king's mercy. Give me more time. And the king looked at the man in his debt. He smiled and said, I forgive you. All 100 silver coins. I cancel the debt right now. You don't owe me. Go in peace. And the man did. He left the palace of the king ecstatic. He, he was completely debt-free, absolutely forgiven. And he was so happy until until he ran into one of his neighbors that also owed him 100 silver coins. And he said to the neighbor, where's my money? Uh, neighbor didn't have it. He, he said, just give me more time. I'll pay you. But the man wouldn't wait. He demanded payment in the moment. He had the man thrown into debtor's prison and wouldn't let him out until he paid back every single coin. And when the king heard that story, 
that this man could not forgive the exact same amount that he had just been forgiven that very day. Well, the king, he was royally ticked. The end. Now, that was the story that Jesus almost told. Do any of you longtime Bible experts in the room know what was wrong about my story? Let me show you what the story actually said. Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. He didn't owe the king a little bit of silver. He owed him gold. He didn't owe him silver coins. He owed him bags of gold. And it wasn't 100 silver coins. It was 10,000 bags of gold. Now, figuring out how much 10,000 bags of gold is worth today is tricky business. Some scholars say it was millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, One Bible professor that I found said this was equivalent to about $7 billion dollars. Seven billion with a B. And a hundred silver coins would have been worth about $12,000. In other words, Jesus is saying that what the guy owed the king compared to what he was owed was not like 1% of the debt or 10% or 0.1% or 0.01% or 0.001%. No, what his neighbor owed him was 0.00017% of what the king had just forgiven. That his debt was about a million times greater to the king. And that should offend you. What is Jesus trying to say in his story? He's saying, you know that person that hurt you? You know that stone that's so hard to let alone? What do you think? Are you as bad as them? Well, Jesus says no. You? You are a million times worse. A million. And when you say to someone, how, how could you? How, how could you? I would never do something. Well, you did. Often. A lot. Why would you, why would you make our lives so messy? Why would you do this to our family? You should know exactly why. Because it's what you've done seven billion times to God. See, Jesus knows we get so infatuated with these stones that we forget something. We focus on every edge, every detail of what they did to us that we lose sight of how often we have done the exact same thing to God. So let me help you visualize it today. Katie, could you help me visualize this with our friends? And uh, Jonathan, could you help me visualize this? And Nate in the back, could you help me? And Jordan, could you help me? And Letitia, could you help me? Chad, could you help me? 
We need to remember that there is not just one or two stones. There's not just a sin back a few years ago that we've committed against God. That whatever we think that someone has done to us, there is not one or ten or a hundred. There are countless stones that God sees when he looks at us day after day after day after day. And we cannot hold on so tightly to the things that have been done to us that we forget day after day what's happening. And Alex, if you could help me, we can't forget one more thing. We can't forget that to God, there is no small stone. Every sin is not small and annoying to him. In fact, this isn't even the right size. To God, every sin should look like this. And friends, we, we, we can't forget that. If you turn your back on every sin you've committed and, and just think about what, what your ex did, what your dad did, what your boyfriend did, what your boss did, it, it is the craziest hypocrisy in the world. And the craziest part is that every sin you have ever committed is against God. God. He, he is so, he's God, he's holy and good and he's been so kind to you every day of your life and yet every time, every time you worry, every time you lash out, every time you want to get your way, every time you forget his rules, it, you throw a stone at God. And you can't forget that. Excuse your past and your sin and that person who sinned against you will be the villain. And you will feel so superior and you will spend your days judging them and wanting consequences and pointing your finger at them because of the consequences. But you don't want God to do that to you. So, friends, you can't. We can't. And Jesus tells a story that's offensive. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell it unless Jesus did. As I look out at some of you, I know, I, I know what has happened. Some of us have wept together. Some of you have sent me late night emails. What you have been through is not small. But the other day I was having a conversation with a woman from our church who's been hurt very deeply. And you know what she said? She said, Pastor Mike, it's the same Jesus. The Jesus who taught this story. It's, it's the same Jesus. The one who we believe is good and compassionate and forgiving and kind. This isn't someone who, who took the pen alongside Jesus' teaching. This is what Jesus taught because he knows we need it. We will never know what it means, God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us until we remember what God did. But once that truth hits your heart, 
there's something I don't want you to miss. It's back in Matthew chapter 18. Let me show you one little verse. The servant's master, the king, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. (laughs) When you think of God, when you think of this, you need to know the truth of the gospel, that God, the king of kings, the holy one of heaven, he, he cancels the whole thing. He's not the God of second chances. He's the God who leaves seven billion stones alone. He's the God for whom your past, your addiction, your drinking, your problem with anger, it's not too much for him. No, you might sin a lot, but this king has so much compassion, unlimited compassion, and so much mercy and so much love that there is nothing you've done, nothing you could ever do that this king of love is not willing to forgive. I love the story. At first, it offends me. And I say, God, I'm not that bad. But then I read it again and say, God, you are so good. 10,000 bags of gold, 7 billion sins, yet you forgive. Just just like that. And this is what Jesus did. (laughs) In fact, I did the math. According to Jesus, uh, it would be almost impossible for you, if you tried, to out-sin the mercy of God. (laughs) Let me tell you the math. If you take 7 billion and you divide it by the average lifespan in America, about 79 years, you come up with 88,607,594 sins a year, which is 242,760 sins a day, which equates to 10,115 sins an hour, or 168 sins per minute, or about three sins every second. You think you could sin three sins a second? Go for it. (laughs) You you couldn't do it, which is Jesus' amazing way of saying, if if you think you're bad, if you feel like the worst, if you look back and just like every second things were going wrong morally for you, if someone hurts you and you you were so bitter or so vengeful and you get to the end and you just say, God, I know. Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a king and a man with a massive debt And he just had compassion and he forgave the whole thing. (laughs) Friends, this is what Jesus did for us. 2000 years ago, there was a rocky hill outside of Jerusalem called Calvary. And there the cross of Jesus was planted. And I'm not sure what it looked like, but I don't think the Romans let Jesus hold on to anything. His hands nailed to that cross were open because it was God's beautiful way of teaching us this. I'd love for you to write down this big idea for today, that God let your seven billion stones alone. Every sin, all the shame, all the guilt, it's gone because of Jesus. And that's why we love the song. Yeah, there's a song we sing here at our church that we adore. It's called, His Mercy is More. And if you've sung it, I wonder if you've ever noticed the lyrics. I love what it says, that God is omniscient and all-knowing, but he counts not the sum of our sin. In the opening of the song, what love could remember? No wrongs we had done. How could God, who knows everything, how could this happen? 
And he would treat us like it doesn't even exist. Not, not a single stone. How could he smile upon you and be great? What kind, of, what kind of God is this? And I love the line. We stood beneath a debt we could never afford. God, how could I pay you back? When I was hurting so bad and I lashed out and it was hard for me to forgive. Sometimes I didn't even want to. You, you just, you forgive me still. You are so good to me. God, like a flood of love. Who, who are you? Who am I? But you did. You know, that amazing song was written back in 2016 by two contemporary Christian artists, but they got their inspiration from a notorious sinner from the 1700s. Way back then, there was a man named John Newton who was the captain of a slave ship. You might know that God opened his eyes to see the wretched things that he had done. How many stones had he thrown at black African families? And when, when he realized what a wretched sinner he was, there was only one place he could go. Not to his own goodness, not to pay God back, but just to cling to Jesus and say, forgive me. And he did. John Newton became a pastor. And he spoke to people just like you. People who wonder, is God still listening? Would, would God forgive me after all of my struggles to forgive? And I want to show you what John Newton said to his church. He said, are you not amazed that poor and needy as you are, the Lord thinks of you? God, God is thinking of you right now. But let not your sin discourage you. For if God casts out none that come to him, not even you, why should you fear? Our sins are many, but his mercies are more. Friends, do not forget how much you've been forgiven. Do your best to forgive, to leave the stones alone. And if that is a battle and a struggle today that leaves you with another stone on the pile, remember this. However big the struggle, your God is bigger. Your sins might be so many, but God's mercy it's always more. Let's pray. God, none of us want to be humbled. It's so much easier to think that we're the good people and they're the bad people. But God, sometimes it takes us being sinned against to realize how bad sin is, ours included. I'm so grateful, God, that you're not the kind of God who makes us make it up to you. There's not a good work that we have to do to make up for every stone. Instead, there's just a king who smiles and he says, it's finished. Father, forgive them. They didn't know. They didn't know. Lord, when we walk out of here today, there are going to be some deep hurts for us to deal with. And the devil loves working in the hearts of hurt people. So lead us not into that temptation. Deliver us not from that evil. Heavenly Father, let your will be done and let us forgive everyone, everyone, just as you have first forgiven us. I thank you, God, for your bottomless love. I thank you for mercy that is truly amazing. I thank you, God, for being you. We're going to need your help this week, so help us. You said you would, and we know that you hear us. We thank you for all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.